0: Again, if you have your Bibles and you want to go ahead and be marking Psalm chapter 42, also turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. As you're turning to those two places, I want to share with you something that I've had on my heart a lot over the last several days and uh, even the last several weeks. And I believe today that God has requirements for revival. When I say requirements for a revival, it's not like these are elective or it's not like we can just choose Differently, I believe God has some things that he requires of us. I want to start this evening in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 7. And the problem that we read about in the scripture that we're about to read is that that these group of people, Israel, had drifted away from God. And they had got to a point they were turned into idols. So they needed to get back where God wanted them to be. Now you may be sitting here tonight, you may just be like, whew. I don't have any idols in my life. You're probably the first person I've ever met that don't have one. For there's all kinds of things that the world dangles in front of us that lures us away from God. Now here's the thing. What's appealing to you may not be appealing to the next person. What's appealing to me may not be to you. And back and forth and uh, to and fro. We see that there's all of these things. But notice the condition that they were in. And listen to what God says beginning in the third verse if you will and Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel don't you love it when God's word comes down you know how sometimes we get into service and we say well that must be for them or them or them I believe that God's words for everybody not just him or them or those it's for all of us there's something that we all can get and Samuel spoken to all the house of Israel saying he did not give a mandate to them He said, if, if ye do return unto the Lord with all of your hearts, then put away from the strange God of Ashtaroth from among you. If you want to return to where you should be, he said, here's what you're going to do. Here's some requirements that you have. It's not going to just happen because it's asked for or desired. He said, what are you going to do? You know, sometimes in revival we think it's just going to happen. I'll tell you this, I've heard it said many times growing up that a lot of times you get out what you put in. And I'll tell you this, whatever we give God, He's going to give us something far greater. We have to give Him the wrong. We have to give Him the evil. We have to give Him sin. But look what God gives us in return. Let's let's read these verses if we can. He said, if you're going to return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange God of Astaroth from among you. And prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only. Folks, I believe today that we serve a God that wants to be served not with any other God, little g's. He wants to be served in and of Himself. That's what God wants. He desires of that. To remove all the idols and serve Him. What are the the effects of that? What happens when when that transpires? He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Do you ever want to just take note of what God said in the last part of that third verse? He said, if you'll do this, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to deliver you from the the evil, the enemies, the giants that you have in your life. I will deliver you. But there's some stipulations. And what are those stipulations? I want to read on down just a minute. We're going to come back to the end part of that verse. Then the children of Israel. I, I love the obedience that they have. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and off and serve the Lord only. So once that happened, Samuel said, gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. They, they confessed it. They said, we've sinned against you. And Samuel judged the children of Israel and Mizpah, and when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, so again, Samuel told them what they should do. They were having a gathering together, but what, what the Philistines didn't know is there was a revival happening. Now up until this point, time the Philistines were to come after them, they were intimidated and afraid because they were a weak vessel. Folks, anytime we, we have any other gods in our life besides the Yahweh or besides Jehovah in our life, we become weak vessels. Now that's not something that you and I want to admit or acknowledge, but we are weak vessels when we have any other gods in our life besides the God of our salvation. But here the Philistines, they were the predators going after the prey. Well, we found a weak people. A people that have all these other gods. And because of that, their God is not going to protect them. So what did the Philistines do? Well, they went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. You know what? Sometimes we're afraid to fight the battles. Because we know we're not where we should be. And that's not something we, we we have to ponder too much, but we are afraid of the battles because we are not with God where, where we need to be. Tonight I'm asking you this. If you are going to face the greatest battle of your life tonight, are you where you need to be? That's not a question you have to answer to me. That's a question you've got to answer for yourself. You know what the greatest battle is? We're all going to walk to the battle of the shadow of death. Do you have God with you? Are you where you should be? Are you doing the things you should do? So the children of Israel, let's read the 8th verse, said to Samuel, "Said Samuel, you said earlier in a few verses you were praying for us. They said, cease not to cry unto the Lord God, our God for us that He will save us out of the hand of the Philistine. And it says and Samuel took the, a, a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering Holy unto the Lord. Notice the sacrifices that were made. A, a, a sacrifice of no return. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. But I love the end of that end verse. It says, And the Lord heard him. Folks, there's an enemy out there tonight that needs to fear that when God hears us, things are going to happen. When the churches begin to cry out to God, I believe that there's a fear that the world will have bestowed upon them because they know that we serve a God that can produce things like none other. And Shamer was offering up a burnt offering. But the Philistines, they still wasn't afraid. They thought they had found a weak opponent. And that's what we are. Away from God, we are weak. Near God, we become strong. Let's keep reading. We haven't even got into the good part of it yet. So the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. Notice what happens, he said they were all of a sudden they were just confused, and they were smitten before Israel. There was a victory that was there. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, and they smote them until they came unto Bethkar. And Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Stop right there and go back to the third verse. If, he said, you do return to the Lord, and the end of that verse said, he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Go to the 13th verse. God keeps his promises, folks. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Folks, today we need God all the days of our life. But what happens is, all these things start creeping into our life. Things that we realize that are idols and things that distract us. And again, you may be that person that that is here at this moment. You may be that person that's hearing these very words and you don't have these things in your life. Then get ready, they are coming. There are things that are going to distract you and, and to draw you away from God. But notice what happened here. Samuel spake unto the house of Israel. Samuel was one of the greatest leaders of Israel as they transitioned the time uh, of judges. Samuel was a great leader for them. But what made Samuel so great? That's a question that that, that some may ask. Why was Samuel so great? Samuel was great because he depended on God. I'll tell you this. I believe in God called preachers. I'm going to say that one more time. I believe in God called preachers. Preachers, i believe in people that their responsibility and their duty is not to declare what people want to hear but to declare the word of god and it's what the people needed to hear i have a feeling that those the, the people of israel did not want to hear that they needed to turn away from their gods but it's what they needed to hear you know, tonight I believe, and I'm thankful that that as we go through a, a season of revivals and a season of, of of trying to renew that fellowship with the Lord, I thank God that there are men that are called by God that will stand up and preach the truth. And I hope that we're praying that God would liberate the hearts of those ministers that they might stand and proclaim the truth so that we can hear not the things that we want to hear, but the things that we need to hear. And Samuel, notice what happened. Samuel spake unto all the house. Of Israel. Everything else was going south. Everything else was going bad. But Samuel stood steadfast. I thank God today. That when the world begins to deteriorate. And the world begins to change. That there are men today that are called by God. That they are going to remain steadfast. They are going to remain true. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel. Read what he said in the next part of that verse. If. That's if, and I've already focused on that a little bit. But if you do return of the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange God from Astaroth from among you. Samuel said that if you're going to be revived and you're going to be restored, you've got to be sincere in what you do. One, I believe that if God's people are ever going to be where they need to be, they have to be truly sincere with the desire to want to be in fellowship with Him. I believe if a person's going to be saved, they have to have a true desire that they want to be saved. Not because somebody else told them they needed to be, but it's because of their individual desire. So tonight I ask you this, what is your desire? Well, I hope the preacher hurries up so we can get out of here. Or maybe your desires are that, that we might just come together so we can visit and we go home. Is your true desire to say, God, what do I have in my life that I can lay before you? Walk away because I've got some Philistines in my life that I need to battle. There's some requirements that I believe that you'll see for revival to happen. And, and, and Samuel began to say, he said, if you do return to the Lord with all your hearts, he said, then put away strain, the strange gods from Astaroth from among you. I think Samuel got to a point, he said, talk is cheap. He said, show me your actions. He said, if you're serious about return to the Lord, he said, then he said, put away the strange God from all from among you. I want to ask you a very personal question tonight. And this is not a question you have to answer to me. What is God trying to get you to let go of? Maybe you're here tonight and you don't have anything. Maybe the world's just trying to latch on, but, but, but they just can't stick. They can't, they can't stay upon you. They're falling upon you, but they can't. But the world's going to keep trying to stick and drawing you away. What do you have tonight? What's in our lives? And there's so many things that God begins to convict me of that, that we have to loosen these things up. And, and, and talk was cheap with Samuel. For he said, then put away the strange God. He said, all this falseness, where has it gotten you so far? He said, it made you weak. He said, everything that you've turned to has not made you stronger, it's made you weaker. Do you know what the world will do for God's children? The world definitely does not make you stronger. The world can make you weaker. And that's why Jesus said, You might be in the world, but do not become of the world. Jesus might have been among sinners, but he wasn't a sinner, was he? Absolutely not. Do we believe in that? We believe that Jesus was perfect. And we see that Samuel began to appear and he said that if you're going to return, he said, then put away the strange God from after all. I want to turn back for just a minute to the book of Romans chapter 12. I want to read you one verse if I can. He will talk about sincerity of what's happening. Romans chapter 12 verse 9 says this, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. In the times of Jesus, there were people that were more worried about the monies or the coins of the temple than they were about the God by which it represented. Notice what happened. Paul said, You have to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. So tonight again, we start asking the question. We start looking at what Samuel did. He said, if you do return to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the strange gods from Astaroth from among you. He said, you have to do this. You have to do it with all your hearts. And he said, put from among you. And he goes on to say, and prepare your hearts. What does it mean for our hearts to need to be prepared tonight? You may say, well, preacher, I don't need anything in my life. I don't need anything. If you're lost, you need something. If you're saved and we get away from God or the things of the world may be creeping in. As soon as the boat starts taking on water, don't wait till you've sunk. You need to start getting the water out before you sink. It's okay that, I don't say it's okay, but it's understandable when the ship takes on water. But what measures do we do when that happens? Sometimes the least bit of water comes into our ships and our boats and we surrender saying, well, we're going down, folks. I hope that we're working harder to get the things out of our life that are sinking us. And when we do and we get our lives sealed in the Spirit of God and we're doing the things that we should do, then we we can afloat and we can we can serve God and we can do the things that God would have us to. But it's all about tonight getting rid of these things that we need to do. And He said, prepare your hearts. What Samuel's saying is you need to be consistent. That's what he talked about in that beginning that, uh, that was talking about, that you're going to be consistent in, in what's happening and you've got to be sincere in what you're doing. You know, a lot of times we think that revival is, I, I can just go into a short time in my life, God, I'm, I'm going to get where I need to be, but as soon as it's over, I'm going to return. Now, do we fall back into the ways of the world? Absolutely. But what happens if you was to come into something Saying, God, I want to get away from this for, for six or seven days and then I'm going to go right back. Or do you want out of it for good? That's a difference. We want these things and we desire these things, but how long do you want these things to last? That's, that's a great concern that many of us have to ask ourselves. And that's why he said, you need to prepare your heart. I don't believe that what God does is going to be a temporary fix. I believe God can give us a permanent fix in our life. I believe God can give us the things that we need and that, that God can grant us the things that, that, that are important for us in our life. But we must be consistent in the things that, that we're doing. And God, I'm going to stay in the altar. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay in fellowship with you. Ephesians, let me read to you if I can. The fourth chapter and the second verse says this. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Long-suffering. That's what we mean when we start talking about the consistency of things. That there's a long-suffering, there's, there's a desire that, that, that we might be continual. We might be able to keep doing what God wants us to do. And that's a question that you have to ask Are you patient and waiting on God? Are you consistently waiting on God? Are you get out of, sometimes we get out of kilter with God. Abraham had to wait for a long time to bring forth a child. Sarah was 90. His wife was 90. He had to patiently wait on God. We talked about some of these things recently that, that folks, we can't get ahead of God. We don't need to get behind God, but we can't get ahead of God and rush him. We've got to realize that the requirements for revival is let God do his work let God do the work that only He is able to do in your hearts what He's able to do in the hearts of those maybe some couldn't be here, maybe that there are those that, that we're going to see on another day and we're going we're to talk to them about the Lord, may God do a work in them on His time His way, but may we be consistent saying God, I believe that you're able to restore us back and give us the victory of the Philistines, but it's going to be when we come to your requirements and we do it your way, folks you, you cannot do things way. Our- our way or in our own method I've seen people want to schedule revivals and services and it's okay but but, you know it's like you want to plot everything from start to finish folks do not leave out room for the Holy Spirit of God to work we don't know what God has in store we may have a format a start time and we're going to sing but I'll tell you this I've been in services before Sunday school even starts people begin to get stirred by the Lord and you know what that's okay We're not stuck on any kind of a format that we have to wait on God. We're not stuck on a format that we have to wait for revival to see people get revived and the lost get saved, folks. I believe any time that you're weak and you're fighting against the Philistines, I believe that God's going to speak to you much like Samuel did to the people. He said, if, he said, you do return the Lord with all your hearts and put away the strange God from Ashtoreth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord. You know, it's like, Lord, our hearts have been here, but why don't you refocus our hearts? I love a time of of, of, uh, of revivals and a time of worship and special services where our heart gets focused upon the Lord. Can I confess something to you? It's easy for our hearts to get caught up on the things of the world. You may say, oh, preacher, you, you must be in a bad place. <laughs> I am telling you that I am fight a great battle of my heart getting caught up with the things of the world, that those are important. Folks, the most important thing in your life is your soul. I am a believer in education. You know that, you know what I do for a living. But you know what I learned a long time ago, and I'm deeply convicted of this. Education might help a mind, or you know, you might teach them something, it might give them something to do for the days of their life, but their soul is eternal. You know what, I don't mind helping somebody in life but the most important thing we can do for them is prepare them for death. So you know what? If I want to help you along the way, that's okay. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. But you know, the most important thing for us is to keep our eyes, our hearts centered and focused upon those things that are the most important. So when God's asking you to let go of something, is He trying to tell us to, to let go of things that are not important? Is He trying to tell us to let go of things that, that are a hindrance in God? We need those things for you. He said, prepare your hearts unto the Lord. And this is where it gets really, really personal here. And he said, and serve him only. Serve him only. I think of the scripture found in the book of Luke. Jesus himself said this, Luke chapter 4, and in verse 5 he said this, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them... For that is delivered unto thee, and whomsoever, and whomsoever I will give it to thee. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, You know these words, red letters. Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, he's going back to what Moses said in Deuteronomy. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, comma, and him only shalt thou serve. I will challenge you to show me one instance in the Bible that God approved any other God or idol in your life to replace him. You're not going to find it. Did it happen? Yes. Yes. Did God approve of that? No. That's where we struggle. Is that we struggle with wrong and mistakes and weaknesses. But it's in our weaknesses that we become strong. It's in our faults that we see the need that we have for our Savior to give us what we need that we might endure. Folks, it's okay in these requirements for revival. That if we prepare our hearts and we get to a place that we are going to serve Him only. You have to get rid of the gods that we may have. And we have to remove these things. For He said, He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. I believe today that I... One, I believe in the deliverance of God. I believe in that. I believe God wants to. And I believe that God will deliver us. For the book of Psalm. And I'm going to get over to, to the 42nd Psalm in just a minute. But the 50th division of Psalm. I'm going to skip down to about the... 15th verse. Psalm 15 verse 15 says this. Do you believe God can deliver? And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee. Folks, God is in the delivering business. I don't know what you need of. I don't know sometimes even what I need out of. But I know this. God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, didn't he? He didn't need anybody anybody else's help. He didn't need somebody to orchestrate a plan for him to carry it out. God devised a plan and he carried out the plan. But the people had to listen. Here we see that God is able to to deliver us. Do you believe that David was delivered from, from Goliath? Absolutely. Why? Because God is in the delivering business. And that's why in that 15th verse he said, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I, he said... I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. You know, tonight I believe that God wants to deliver us. But we have to have a true desire and a passion to serve Him. Do you really, really want to serve Him and worship Him during a time of revival this week? Let's ease over to the 42nd division of Psalm for just a minute. Psalm 42 and verse 1 says this. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. What we're seeing is is that in nature, God gave them a thirst, a deer. It's amazing. We've talked about this in in times past. The animals had more obedience to get on Noah's ark than the people had. People, People are not, animals just respond to God. Don't you wish human beings did that, just respond to God? God says do it, you just do it. Not, well, I don't know if now's the right time or who's watching. It's amazing how animals just respond. God gave the deers the thirst. See, so you know what the deer did? The deer went after water. You got a need in your life. Guess what you should do? It should just be automatic. You just go to God and say, God, help me out. I need help. And you know what? God will provide what you need. I believe God, God gave the deer life. I believe in that. But I also believe God provided the water for the deer. You have needs in your life. Do you think that God can provide for you what you need? As the heart, he said, panneth after the water brooks, so paneth my soul after thee. To pan after something means that you have a, 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 a longing, a true sincere desire. You know what? It's an amazing how that, that people can be sightseeing and they're out doing all this kind of fun stuff, but when they get really thirsty or hungry or thirsty, that they kind of quit worrying about that, that all of a sudden their number one concern is they just want to find food or drink. Folks, you want to know when a revival happens? When it becomes your number one priority. When it becomes your relationship with God is your number one priority. So I want to ask you again, I'm asking a lot of personal questions, not to answer me anything, but to ask yourself, tonight, what is your number one priority? And it says, it's, it's, Panath after the water brooks, we see that there's a, a, a panning that, you know, a lot of times that the deer would go after and drink the water because it didn't take a lot. It just simply went. Sometimes I think our efforts for God are pretty poor. What, on a scale from weak to strong, what is it like in your prayer life? Would you classify it as strong or weak? What would you classify in all the things in our life that we have, our prayer life, our scripture reading, our, all these things, are we easily distracted in the world? I don't know if it ever happens to any of you, but it seems like any time I want to sit down and read the Word of God, there's always something else I need to do. Just distract it. I know that's a fault that I have, and I know it's a failure. I I fall short. But you know what? There's nothing any sweeter than when I can just sit down and read God's Word. And God's Word is not just words that that, that are below my eyes, but it's something that's stirring in my heart. Tonight I'm praying that God would not just speak to our ears, but that God would get down in our heart, that we would get like what Samuel said. He said that when you seek Me with all of your hearts, when you get a passion that's there, He said, you'll see, like the the, the deer that begins to... Man, if he said... Excuse me, after the water brooks, there's a a sincere desire. But you know what I found interesting, in For an animal to have a desire to drink water, that's a good thing. Then I asked myself, what do we have a desire for? I want to be a better ball player. That's okay. But is that more important than your relationship with God? Well, I want to have you can just fill in the blank. And I probably shouldn't have grabbed that one, but I did. But you know, of all the things in our life, it's okay to have desires to grow and to prosper in those. But the question becomes, what order are they in? Is our relationship with God at the top of the list? It's on my list. That's not the question. Is it the number one thing? And that's why we see that the deer begin to, to, to thirst after the water broke. And that, that, that the water... I want to tell you something. That water was valuable to that deer. If a deer is thirsty, the berries aren't going to do any good. It needed water. If your soul has a need tonight for God, do you believe there's a replacement out there? No. Let me ask you this. This is a rhetorical question. But if you're thirsty and you look at water, is it going to quench the thirst? Or does it have to be consumed? You know, we come to a time of worship and serving God and we want to spectate and watch. But he said, no, if you're thirsty, he said, you got to put something in you. Folks, the Holy Spirit of God is not something that dwells external. The Holy Spirit of God is something that dwells internal. Today, are we consuming the spirit of God in our lives? For as the deer says, begin to, to desire the water. That's what he did. He says, so paneth my soul after thee, O God. If the deer wasn't going to drink water, he's going to die. How important is a revival for you? I want to go back and read to you the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 and that third verse. I'm going to close in just a second. But you know how we talked about a desire. The Philistines, they were weak, and the Philistines were, were a nuisance to them. I read to you the 13th verse how that, that he gave them the victory promised them he would. But again, listen to the third verse. Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, there, there's a passion and a desire for God, then put away the strange God of Ashtoreth from among you. Prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. And the result of that's going to be and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Tonight, I believe that, that God here with Israel through Samuel has laid the same guidelines that we need today and the requirements that we need for revival. So tonight, what's God speaking you to do? That's what's on my heart tonight. I want us to get a song if we could.